Well, hey, everybody, and a very big welcome to you. I'm really excited that you decided to join us here today as we start a brand new series entitled Mirror, Mirror. We're going to be taking a look at what prevents you from being all that God says that you are. Let's pray together and we'll jump straight in. Father, we thank you that you are a God that has called us away from being who the world says we are. We thank you that, God, you have given us a new identity, you have given us a new personality, that you have given us the ability to stand up out of the mud and the quagmire of what this world will have us pull us down, and you have lifted us up from the miry clay. Father, thank you that you are this incredible God. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name, and we pray this in his name, in name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, a very big welcome to you. Thank you for joining us here in the room, as well as all over the world, from your favorite living room, from your favorite coffee shop, from your, from your favorite place, just to take a moment during the midweek time and just be together and be able to learn from God today. I'm really excited that when we take a look at all that we've been through over the last year already, we've taken a look at what God has called us. Um, to be what he's called us in the scripture. He's called us disciples. He's called us the salt and the light. He's called us many things in scripture. But as we journey through, we then had a look at, well, what, is, what do we call God? And now we're going to have a look at how do we activate those two things? How do we t t pick ourselves up and believe that we are who God says we are, that we are what he's called us to be, and that we can have who he is in our situation so that we can become all he says that we are. We have an incredible ability as human beings to label things. We put labels on things very easily. And the, the one thing that we label the most easiest is ourselves. Uh, maybe you've put yourself in that category with a label of, I like to be at the back of the room. I like to be behind the scenes. Maybe you've put the label on yourself that you like to be up front. You are the gregarious one. Give me a microphone. I'm the center of the party. I love doing X. I love doing Y. This is who I am. Maybe you give yourself a label that would, that same label appears on your business card. Maybe your label is that you John the painter, that you Michael the plumber, that you Susan the housewife, that you Janet the home educator. Whatever your label is, we do not have to live to the status or to the line of that label. We don't have to live according to what we call ourselves. And in the same token, we also don't have to live by what other people say we are. We aren't this broken self-image that we have, a combination of what we've labeled ourselves because of our past hurts, our past concerns, our past issues. We don't have to label ourselves according to that and look into this broken mirror thinking that we are just this broken self-image that our label says that we are from the inside of us as well as what other people say that we are. And so when we have a look at this series, Mirror, Mirror, we're going to be seriously asking ourselves the question, who is looking back at the mirror from the mirror when I stand in front of the looking glass? Who is that person? What am I to reflect? Who am I really? And how can I put down all that I've been told that I am? When we have a look at the theme scripture for this entire message series at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him 
as we are changed into His glorious image. Did you notice that first line in the scripture? It says, through faith we have had a veil removed. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been able to do many, many weddings in my time. And uh, the brides of old that wear the veil as they come down the aisle. And the, the groom's father or the, the, the bride's father has to take the veil off so that the groom can see that he's marrying who he says he's marrying, that it is the right person. We've got a story in Scripture about somebody who worked for seven years for, some, for a bride, and then, hey, when he finally got to the wedding day, it wasn't the right person because they covered her face in a veil. We can't really see who we are, and we can't really see who we're talking to if there's this veil between us and them. It's very difficult to have a relationship with somebody when we can't see their facial expressions, when we can't see what they're personality is through their face and, and to see what they're thinking in their eyes. Well, when we have a veil between us and the Father, we can't really see who He is supposed to be in our lives and what He thinks of us. We can't really see the glint in His eye when we approach His throne and He, and he looks at us and He goes, I know you and I want to be with you. For so long, there was this veil between us and God. In fact, in the tabernacle, in the original temple, there was a space that was veiled off. And the very presence of God sat in the most holy of holies, the very place where, where people could see his face, could feel his presence. Well, that was veiled off between God and man. And there was only one man that could come into that most holy of holy place through the veil and see God face to face. And man, there were so many precautions around that most holy high priest that could go into the holy of holies past the veil and be in the presence of God. In fact, they used to tie a tether or a rope around his legs. So if he went in there and he, he thought bad thoughts or he didn't have the right image of God or he had something go wrong in his life, right there he would drop down dead and they'd be able to pull him out from the presence of God. Well, this scripture says that by faith in who? In Jesus Christ. Because we remember when he died, that veil was ripped in two and we could now enter into a relationship with the Father. We could see him face to face. We could see that glint in his eye. He wasn't some stranger. He wasn't some far off person, some person we've never ever known. No, the, 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 the Jesus Christ was able to unveil God. He was able to show us who God was. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, said Jesus. And at the moment of him dying, now all of a sudden, a personal relationship, veil-free, was is able to be had. And now, when we present ourselves to the Father, we're not guessing what He's thinking about us. We can see it in His face. We can see it in His eyes. We can have that personal relationship with the Father because the veil has been removed. And now, we can look into the Father's eyes and we can see what He sees. He can see what, we can see what kind of opinion He has of us. He can see what kind of image He has of us. And when we can't see that, when we can't see that veil through the veil, we kind of make up our own mind. We kind of make up our own idea. Ladies, I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but I used to do some makeup in theater. And I, and I know some of the smaller theaters that I used to perform in, well, the mirror wasn't so good. It was a bit cloudy. It was a bit old. And as I was putting on my makeup, I kind of had to guess what it looked like. I kind of had to guess that I, I got it right because I couldn't quite see in those mottled mirrors 
in these change rooms and in the, in the dressing rooms. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when, when you're trying to shave in the shower and you, 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 your mirror in the shower keeps misting over and you, you can't quite see what you're doing. Well, you've got to kind of guess what you've got to do to make sure that you get the right thing done and it's all squared away. Well, what happens with our relationship with the Father is He is the mirror. We are to reflect who He is. And when we have this, this veil, when we have this blocked view of who he says we are, we make up our own labels. We make up our own stories. When we can't see that God thinks genuinely that we're awesome, we tell ourselves that we're not. When we can't see that God genuinely says that you will live forever, we try and get, we get scared of dying. When we, start, start, when we aren't able to see God clearly through that veil, we try and make up our own mind of what we are. Well, as we journey through the series, we want to see that we actually get that veil removed so we can see, have a look at what that scripture says, see and reflect the glory of the Lord. We don't have to reflect who we are. We don't have to accept our labels. No, we can simply see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord will do this. He will make us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. As we are changed from the labels that we have given ourselves. We, have, we are changed from what others say we are. We are changed from this broken self-image we sometimes see in the mirror. We are changed into the glorious image of the Father. Take a look as a setup what Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says. God has given me grace to speak about pride says Paul. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth. Have a look at what it says. Honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then it says, you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. With an appropriate self-esteem. Esteem. How many of us are sitting at home today believing the labels, not seeing clearly what God sees? We're believing what others have said about us, not hearing clearly what God has asked us to become. We don't believe that we are able to do what God has become. And I'm not talking about believe what God has asked us to be in the church. I'm not talking about the job you do, the thing that you do for a living. No, I'm talking about being what God has placed on the inside of you to be that gets you up in the morning, that puts a smile on your face, that gets you moving forward, that makes you believe that you are worthwhile, that makes you understand that you add value to other people, that says to you, yes, you are good enough. Your job does not define you. The labels do not declare who you are. And certainly the broken self-image of your past is not what God wants to use to get you up in the morning. No, that scripture says that if we can have that veil removed, if we can put faith in Jesus so that he can remove the veil, bring us into a clear relationship with the Father, well then we will be able to have an appropriate self-esteem. Now when I have a look at the areas of my life that certainly pull me down, I have a look at some things that have shaped my self-esteem into an inappropriate way. Now, your self-esteem can go both ways. Your self-esteem can go to the place where it's far too high. You think way too highly of yourself. And we generally call that pride. 
But in actual fact, any self-esteem that's not appropriate, any self-esteem that is out of balance is pride. You can have a low self-esteem and be suffering from an issue of pride. You can have a high self-esteem that's way too high and be suffering from pride. Pride is when your self-esteem is not reflecting the genuine glory of God in your life. Pride is when you're not doing it God's way. Pride is when you're doing it your way. And certainly thinking too little of yourself is doing it your way. Thinking too highly of yourself is doing it your way. So when your self-esteem is out of balance either way, the problem is pride. And that's why Romans starts off by saying, hey, I've been given some grace to speak about pride. And that scripture ends on having an appropriate self-esteem. So when we have a look at this process when we start feeling that we are inadequate or we, that we need for control or that, hey, we have to, we, we've got a right to be offended or our, we, we need to be approved. We, need, we have this longing for approval from people. Maybe we are, we're sitting and we, are, we know that we people pleasers and we use people to prop up our feelings, our, our, our self-esteem. We use shopping to, to prop up our self-esteem. We use social media to prop up our self-esteem. Or the other happens as well. We use social media and it's pulling down our self-esteem. Our parents' comments to us, instead of pushing us up to a balanced self-esteem, no, it pushed us beyond. It gave us the wrong opinion of ourselves. Whatever your situation, over this series, we're going to be taking a look at, hey, how is it that I can get to a good balance of self-esteem? When I look in the mirror, am I reflecting the right things? The person looking back at me is a good person, one that reflects who God has called me to be. And there's fundamentally four weeks that we're going to be journeying together through this process. The first week, this week, we're going to take a look at our feelings of, of inadequacy. How do we put down these feelings of inadequacy? Because you see, feelings of inadequacy will create a veil between you and God. And a genuine relationship with you and God will bring your sense of self-esteem into good balance. And so the very first area that we're going to say we're going to have to tear open, we're going to have to rip down, is this feeling of inadequacy. Maybe you're like me. And the thing that keeps you veiled from understanding who's looking back at you in the mirror is this feeling of that I have to be in control. That I have to be in control. I, I only tell people what they need to know because if I don't tell them what they don't know, then they can never use what they don't know against me. Maybe I, I like to be in control by knowing what people know about me. Maybe I like to be in control by, by always telling people what to do and I get highly offended when they don't do what I like to do. Maybe I just need to be in control because I've been hurt so many times. I don't want to let anybody else in or anything else in that's going to cause me that kind of hurt again. I need to be in control. Maybe week three, you feel like things have been done to you that you have a right to be offended. And we're going to take a look at how we use offense to protect ourselves and push our self-esteem into an unbalanced state. And we're going to have a look at, is that reflecting who God wants me to be? And then finally, we're going to have a look at our longing for approval. Our longing for approval. These four things will help you tear back the veil and be able to see how God sees you directly. 
So the very first thing we want to have to look at is, is why do we feel inadequate? What makes us feel inadequate? Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm pretty adequate. I'm not as good as so-and-so, or I, I can't do it as well as this person, or I don't do it as well as I used to, but I'm pretty adequate. This feeling of inadequacy is a, is a very subtle one. It's one that creeps up over a long period of time in certain places in your life. Maybe you feel adequate in this area of your life, but not so adequate in another area of your life. Trust me, I am completely inadequate when it comes to flower arranging. I'm not the best flower arranger, but I can't be inadequate in something I don't ever want to do. Um, I only feel inadequate in the things that I really, really want to do, but something holds me back from doing them, and that is the sense of inadequacy. Trust me, you do not want me to be the flower arranger at your wedding. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and hey, you just pride yourself in your house, and you just love it being organized, and you love it being cleaned, and you love it being sorted out, and you love the meals all presented beautifully and prepared beautifully for your family. But every single time you go over to so-and-so's house, you're battling to get your hair dried and her nails are already done. The dinner's in the oven. It smells absolutely beautiful. The house is squared away. You're only thinking about the four piles of laundry that's still yet to be done. You're thinking about the four areas of homeschooling you haven't completed yet, but her son is already three grades ahead of yours and you just feel inadequate. Maybe it's because you've you got this tussle between you because you like hanging out with the popular people, but you don't feel as popular as the people you hang out with. Maybe you like hanging out with the smart people, but you don't feel as smart as the people you hang out with. Maybe you come to church and you feel spiritually inadequate. Maybe you feel like you don't know your Bible as well as you should. You don't know the Scriptures as well as you ought. So-and-so knows them better than you. Well, you've got this feeling of inadequacy, and it's clouding your judgment of who God sees you to be. Have a look at some things that will directly cause you to feel inadequate. The first is unfair criticism. Maybe your parents said to you that you would never amount to anything. Well, the very fact that you are diving into this message today to improve yourself means that you've amounted to something. The very fact that you want to find out what God wants you to be means that you've amounted to something. Anything isn't something. You are something. You are wanting to be better. You have a desire on the inside of you not to be inadequate anymore. You want to be adequate. You want to be good. You want to do what God has called you to do. The very fact that you have that sense in your heart means that you are something. And somebody that said to you that you won't amount to anything, well, he lied. She lied to you because of the very fact that you have embraced Jesus Christ, you have the faith that can make sure that he can do something with anything. And so when we have a look at this first reason why we might feel inadequate, it's because you get unfair criticism. Maybe you in the inside of you never had that unfair criticism levied against you. Maybe you are super critical about yourself and those around you. You are super critical about your husband, your children, yourself, because you feel and you are driven by the sense of inadequacy. Never amount to anything. I, I wish I'd never done this. I wish I'd never had you. I've got severe disappointment. I can't get anything right. I wish I was more like. It just isn't my thing. You've got all of these words running over you. 
I don't have any special talents. There's one that I hear in the church over and over again. I can't get up and speak publicly. I can't paint. I can't sing. I just don't have any remarkable talents. That's the first thing that you might be experiencing in your feelings of inadequacy. Maybe it's not unfair criticism. Criticism. Maybe it's unrealistic compliments. I call this the Americans Got Idol Syndrome. Have you noticed those, those kids that get up in Americans Got Talent or American Idol Syndrome? They, they get up there and they really believe that they can sing. They really believe that they are going to be the next superstar. Why? Because their parents have been telling them how awesome they are, how incredible they are, how fantastic they are. But when they get up and in reality, they can't compare to somebody else. Their entire feeling of self-esteem, self-worth gets completely dashed by the judges. Simon Powell looks at them and says, you will never ever be a singer. And the entire world comes crumbling down because they have been living a life of unrealistic compliments. When we have a look and understand this, I grew up in an era where you had to win the race to be the winner. You couldn't just be the winner because you arrived. This whole world is, is telling us that you, you're a winner, you're fantastic, you're incredible. But on the inside of us, we feel like we haven't really won, that we're not really awesome, that we're not really incredible. This world is lying to you to stretch out your feeling of inadequacy. It's telling you that you're incredible when it very well knows that you feel like you're not. It doesn't have the solution for that feeling of inadequacy on the inside of you. Only faith in Jesus will tear back that veil and give you a true reflection of who you really are. Maybe it's not unrealistic compliments that, that get you, that keep, make you feel inadequate. Maybe it's not unfair criticism that makes you feel inadequate. Maybe it's unwise comparisons. Now, we have social media that we always use utilizing to compare. I compare what the decor in my room looks like to the decor in somebody else's room. I compare what my meal turned out to be like by what somebody else's meal looked like when they had completed preparing it. I compare what car that person's got to what I drive. I compare where that person lives to what I live. And inside of me, the spirit of inadequacy starts boiling up to a place of anger. Ever driven past a neighborhood that you'd like to live in? The houses are beautiful and you get angry. What have they got that I don't? And immediately you've introduced a sense of inadequacy. You unwise comparisons. Stephen Furtick, one of the people that I really enjoy listening to uh, speak, he says it like this. He says, we compare our behind-the-scenes footage with other people's highlight reels. We compare our behind-the-scenes footage with other people's highlight reels. Behind the scenes, I know what's going on. It's the making of. It's the making of my life that I know, I can see. There's plenty of bloopers. There's plenty of retakes. There's plenty of mess-ups. But when I get to meet other people, I only ever see what they're presenting to me. I only ever see their highlight reel. And I get caught up in a place of comparing my blooper reel, my behind-the-scenes reel, with what they are presenting as their highlight reel. But how do we get to a place of tearing back the veil? That inadequacy doesn't blur what, what God wants us to see in the mirror. How do we get to a place where we rip back the veil and we can see the glory of God in us? 
When we look at the mirror, it's not telling us that we are evil. It's not telling us that we are inadequate. No, when we go mirror, mirror, it's God's glory telling us who we really, really are. Have a look at a quick story in Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 16. It's a story about Gideon, and he was looking, being looked, he was being hunted down by a CIA agent from heaven. I'm joking. He was being looked for by the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. Uh, not that Oprah, another Oprah. It's a place, not a person, that belonged to Joash and who, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was hiding from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said this, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? But if God is in me, if God has this image, if God has this opinion of me, why do I feel so inadequate? If God thinks I'm incredible, why do I feel so unincredible? If God thinks that he's given me all of these wonderful spiritual talents, why do I feel like I have none, says Gideon? Where are these wonders that God has told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. I've been saved, but I don't know for what. Jesus has stepped into my life, but I feel like I've run out of gas. I'm not good enough. I obviously am not loved by him enough. So the Lord turns to Gideon and says this, Go in the strength you have. Go with what you've got. It's good enough. Who you are is good enough. Don't be comparing. Don't be overcritical. Don't be accepting unrealistic compliments. No, have the right balance, the right balance of self-esteem. Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I am the least in my family. Ever felt like that? My family is not good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't come from good stock. I'm not clever enough. I'm not wealthy enough. And you get all of these unrealistic criticisms and unnecessary compliments and all of this thing flooding your life and your inadequacy just boils up and your self-esteem drops away. The Lord answered Gideon in verse 16, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Wow. Did you see the three things that Gideon accepted to build up his self-esteem to the right balance and be able to see who God sees in the mirror? Have a look at what he learned. Have a look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Number one, if you're looking to get through these feelings of inadequacy, know this, God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. Gideon did not feel like a mighty warrior, but God told him what he saw, and he saw a mighty warrior. If someone tells you you can't or you couldn't, you're probably not, and you probably won't. But God sees you not as a couldn't, a not, or a won't. He sees you, Ephesians 2 verse 10, as a masterpiece and as ability, having the ability to do good things. Rahab wasn't the prostitute, she was a liberator. 
David wasn't the murdering adulterer. No, he was a man after God's own heart. Peter wasn't the bumbling fool who opened his mouth to change feet. No, he was the man upon which the entire church would be built. He was the rock. God's view of you is different than what you think. If you're thinking that you're not good enough, you haven't got God's view clearly in mind. If you're thinking that you can't achieve, you haven't got God's plan firmly in mind. If you're thinking that you will never amount to much, you haven't got God's worth that He's already deposited in you. You have missed what God thinks of you because you are working with what you feel about yourself, not by how God sees you. God's view of you is different than what you think. God has given you, number two, if you're wanting to overcome inadequacy. He doesn't just view you differently than what you think. God has also given you more than what you think. Have a look at verse 14, the second thing that Gideon learned. Go in the strength that you already have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I had this understanding that, you know what, the one thing that got me into trouble all this time before Jesus Christ was my mouth. Man, I could sell ice to an Eskimo. I was, I was always telling stories. I could always swing a story. And I could always turn a room. I was the guy that could sell anything. I was always getting jobs of sales and advertising. And I was always the guy that could use my mouth to get anything and win anything. And when Jesus hit me up the upside of the head and said, no more on your steam. No, you're going to do it my way. I went into a small Methodist church and began getting involved with this Methodist church in Johannesburg, South Africa. And on the day that the Lord said, okay, I've got you and I want to use you, I remember it clearly. I said to him, Father, I will never, ever, ever speak in church. I will never preach. I will pack chairs. I will do sound. I will put lights up. I will do whatever you need me to do. But please do not let me use my mouth. It gets me into trouble. And I had to realize that God had given me more to speak than what I could think. He had provided for me more. He could say to me that you will eventually write. You'll eventually become an author. You'll eventually speak to thousands around the world. And I went, never, Father, not for you. And look today what God has given me. God has given us more than what we think. That He can turn things into never, can't, and won't because I don't have enough. He can show you that you already have been given enough. And every single talent, when you get your self-esteem into the right balance, will be able to be focused on Him and return His glory, not pain and inadequacy. His divine power, says 2 Peter verse 1 to 3, 1 verse 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and His own goodness. Oh, I never have the right words to say. Well, that's because you are a good listener. No, I'm, I'm not the upfront kind of person that because you work really well behind the scenes. Oh, I don't make six figures. No, but you're home six nights a week for your family. You see, whenever you think you're inadequate, God has given you something to be proud of. God has given you something to bring your self-esteem into the right balance. So not only does God see you differently than what you think, God has given you more than what you think. And then finally, it's less about you than you think. Judges chapter 6 verse 16 says this, The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. When God calls you to do something, it's less about your power and more about His presence. 
It's more about Him being in your moment than the moment that you're in. When God calls you, it's less about you than you think. When God asks you to do something, understand that it's less about your power and more about His presence. When you are feeling inadequate, that is a great time to acknowledge that God is with you and it's more about His adequacy than your inadequacy. Well, when I, when I wanted to speak, I used to throw up in my mouth. I remember getting up to speak one day in church. I felt sick to my stomach. I wanted to throw up. I was so nervous. I couldn't do this. I couldn't stand up, let alone speak to a camera, let alone speak to a camera that was connected to thousands of people. No, God said, I know that you're feeling inadequate, but I want you to step into it anyway. And when I pressed in, I realized that it was less about my inadequacy and more about his adequacy. You might think that you're not a good enough mom. You can't do it. You can't get through it. You're not successful. Your children are going to be terrible because of what you've done to them. You, you think that they're going to turn into murderers. You think that they're going to turn into the world's worst because you were asked to bring them up. And where God says that, He says, well, you might be thinking as a woman, but I'm going to make you a godly woman. You might be thinking that you're not a husband, that you're not good enough as a father. Well, God is looking at you saying, you're thinking as a man, and because I am present in your life, I'm going to make you a godly man. You see, it's not what others think about you. It's not what you think about yourself. It's about what God says that you are. If you're feeling serious, seriously inadequate right now, that is a perfect moment for God to step in and be adequate. The reason we can be so powerfully charged by what God says we are is because God has made sure that the veil has been turned around, that the veil has been turned, torn in two, that we can look square into the mirror, and what's reflected is not those broken images, not those ones of inadequacy, but now of a God that is smiling back at you. I hope today that you have understood that inadequacy is one way that, God is, that you are robbing God of who He needs you to be. You're not able to be all He's called you to be. You're not able to be who He says you are because of the inadequacy that's crept into your life. Maybe it's unfair criticism. Maybe it's undue compliments and, and people have told you that you are when you're not and in the inside you, you're just going, I'm not what they think I am. I'm not who they say I am. Maybe that's eating away at you. Whatever it is, understand that your inadequacy is God's adequacy. And when the two come together, it's a pure reflection of God's wonder and His glory in your life. We can say this confidently because of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. For I can do everything through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. I, me, can be adequate only through Jesus Christ who gives me the glory and the strength. I genuinely hope today that you have found something that you can hold on to. You've found something that you can grab a hold of to start balancing your self-esteem, to start bringing it to a relationship with God, one that you can see clearly His face, His wonderful smile on your life, the glory and the glint in His eye as you step into His presence. Know that as we journey through the series, we're going to be taking a look at our need for control next time we come together, our right to be offended, and our longing for approval. We're going to learn how we put all of those things down, remove the veil, so we can see who God says that we are. 
Well, thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online Midweek Message. I'm really excited where this series, Mirror, Mirror, is going to take us. If you know of somebody, if you can think of somebody right now that, that you might be thinking, hey, they needed to hear this message, why don't you go ahead and share that with them? There's plenty of facilities and, and links and buttons that you can click on to make sure that you can share this message. Why not jump onto our YouTube channel and watch it again if you wanted to get something more out of it. Maybe I went too quickly over a point and you wanted to consolidate that. Why don't you use that video for your personal studies to this week? I'd love to see you back next week as we continue the series, Mirror, Mirror, helping us balance our self-esteem and have the right and appropriate self-esteem based on our faith, not on our labels, not on our opinions, and not on the word of the world. Again, thank you for joining us. Look forward so much to seeing you again next time when we come together here at Victory Life Church Online.